Fame and Fortune Weekly, Stories of Boys Who Make Money, Number 19, New York, February 9, 1906, published by Frank Towsey. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Keith Salas. A Rise in Life or the Career of a Factory Boy by a Self-Made Man. Chapter 1. Ruby Norton. No, you shan't walk me home, Dexter Pritchard, exclaimed pretty and spirited Ruby Norton decidedly. Why not? demanded the well-dressed youth who, cane in hand, confronted the girl on the walk in front of the Bayport Woolen Mills, where she was employed as an operative. Because I don't wish you to. You put on a lot of frills for a mill hand, replied young Pritchard in a disagreeable tone. I should think you'd be glad to be seen walking with me. Well, I'm not, so there. And she made a move to pass him. Hold on, I want to talk to you said Dexter, barring her way. "'But I don't want to talk to you. I want to go home,' she replied, a flush mounting to her face. "'Then let me walk along with you,' he persisted, giving his natty little cane a twirl. "'No!' she answered, flashing a defiant look at him. Dexter Pritchard wasn't accustomed to being crossed in his desires, and he showed it in the petulant way he received the girl's reply. He was an only son and a spoiled boy.' His father, Duncan Pritchard, was president and chief stockholder of the Bayport Woolen Mills. He was the best-dressed boy in that thriving little New England town. He had plenty of money to spend on his own pleasures, was accorded a great deal more respect than he deserved, because his father was looked upon as the great man of the neighborhood, and what he didn't think of himself would have been hard to discover." Ruby Norton was the prettiest as well as spunkiest girl in Bayport. There was nothing deceptive about Ruby. If she liked a person, she showed it. That's why she and Bob Chambers, a curly-headed and good-looking mill-hand of seventeen, were such excellent friends. If she didn't like a person, she took no great trouble to conceal the fact. She didn't like Dexter Pritchard. Even if he was known to have money to burn, and his father practically owned the establishment where she put in six long days every week, for far from princely wages, and that was all there was to it. Dexter Pritchard, on the contrary, was impressed with Ruby's good looks and piquant ways, and he wanted to monopolize her society when he felt so disposed. He couldn't see any reason why she shouldn't regard his attentions as a distinguished honor and it was a disagreeable surprise for him to discover that the girl didn't look at it in that light. "'Don't you know I can have you fired from the mill if I have a mind to, Ruby Norton?' snarled Dexter, growing warm under the collar at her persistent refusal to permit him to enjoy the satisfaction he coveted. "'You wouldn't dare!' cried the girl indignantly. "'How do you know I wouldn't?' he retorted, thinking to bring her to her knees with this threat because it would be a contemptible thing for you to try to do she replied with flaming cheeks then don't make me do it he said pointedly make you do it she flashed back scornfully you ought to be ashamed of yourself dexter pritchard you the son of the president of the company to try to force your society upon me a mill girl against my wishes if i told you what i think of your conduct you wouldn't like it "'You're a little fool,' snorted the nabob's son angrily. 
"'Thank you for the compliment,' she said disdainfully. "'People who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones.' "'What do you mean by that?' he asked suspiciously. "'I mean just what I said.' she answered with an independent toss of her shapely head please allow me to pass she stepped around him with the air of a little queen and was several yards away before he recovered from his discomfiture yeah you think you can wipe your feet on me do you ruby norton muttered the boy with a burst of passion well i'll see about it i'll make you pay dearly for all these airs you put on I'll have you fired from your job as sure as I stand here, so you wouldn't let me see you home. But you let that beggar Chambers escort you to and from night school regularly. You prefer a common mill-hand to me. That shows a little sense you have. There isn't another girl in the mill but would fall all over herself to secure the honor I have just afforded you. I'll fix you, Miss Ruby. You'll wish you hadn't insulted Dexter Pritchard. He shook his cane threateningly at her retreating figure, and then turned on his heel and walked away in the opposite direction. As he left the scene, a small gate in the fence, which had been standing open an inch, creaked on its rusty hinges, and a shock of bright red hair appeared. Underneath was a grinning, freckled face, in which were a pair of particularly bright eyes. The eyes followed the figure of Dexter Pritchard until he disappeared around a corner into Main Street. "'You're a nice chap you are, I don't think,' muttered the watcher, whose name was Andy Ball. He was employed in the engine room of the mill, and was a particular friend of Bob Chambers. Pritchard had uttered his sentiments in a tone loud enough for Andy, who had been behind the gate from the moment Dexter had intercepted Ruby Norton on her way home, to overhear. Andy liked Ruby, too, in an unselfish way, but he well knew he wasn't in it with Bob and he was too loyal a friend to get disgruntled over the matter. "'You mean to fix Ruby, do you?' continued Andy, shutting the gate and walking slowly back to the engine room, pushing an empty wheelbarrow in which he had been carrying ashes to the dump. "'You're jealous, cause she won't have nothing to do with you. It would suit your little mean nature to get her discharged from the mill. It don't make no difference to you, I guess, if her father is down sick in bed, and there ain't nothing coming into the house but what she earns.' like to see em all starve wouldn't you you pesky young dude what do you want with ruby anyway she isn't in your class you want the earth don't you well don't you do nothing to her or there'll be something doing you won't like me and bob won't stand for any harm coming to her from nobody bet your life and the boy shook his shock head in a very positive and defiant way hello andy what are you muttering about and shaking your head like a mechanical chinese mandarin for said a cheery voice at his elbow. Andy looked around and found that Bob Chambers had come up unperceived and was regarding him with a mischievous smile. "'Oh, it's you, is it?' "'I don't know that it's anybody else,' chuckled Bob. "'What are you kicking about, anyway, old man? It wouldn't make you feel any too happy if I told you.' "'Oh, well, I'm mixed up in it, eh?' "'No, but Ruby is, and I know what that means to you.' "'What about Ruby?' "'Has anything happened to her?' cried Bob, gripping Andy by the arm, while a look of apprehension flew into his face. "'No, nothing's happened to her so far.' "'So far? What do you mean by that?' "'I suppose I've got to tell you. That dude, Dexter Pritchard, has been annoying her.' "'When?' cried Bob hotly. "'Don't get excited. It's all over.' 
I want to know all about it. What's he been up to? When the mill shut down half an hour ago, he was outside the fence yonder waiting for her. He was, eh? How do you happen to know that, Andy? Cause I seen him near the side gate when I poked my head out after wheeling this load of ashes over to the dump. I wondered what he was doing there, so I kept my eye on him. In a few minutes along came Ruby all by herself. He stepped right up and spoke to her. She answered him politely and was going on again when he planked himself in front of her. He did. That's what he did. He wanted to walk home with her. He's got nerve. Ruby wouldn't have it all right, and that made him mad. He tried to make her give in, but you know how spunky she is. When she doesn't want to do anything, you can't make her know how. That's so, grinned Bob, who had had a varied experience with the girl himself, and he rather admired that quality in her. When he found out he could not have his way with her, he threatened her. He did what? roared Bob, instinctively doubling up his fists. He threatened to have her thrown out of the mill. You heard him say that? I heard him plain enough. He meant that as a bluff, of course. No, he didn't mean it as a bluff. He meant it in right down earnest. Are you sure he did? Yes, I'm sure he did. Why are you so sure? Because after she left him, I heard him speaking to himself. He shook that dude cane at her and said he'd get square with her, and he wasn't fooling for a cent. He's down on her now like a thousand of bricks. He's got pull enough to make all kinds of trouble for her, and he's mean enough to do it, too. Bob looked troubled. He knew well enough what that would mean for Ruby. If she was discharged from the mill upon some trumped-up pretext, the Norton family, which relied on her to keep the wolf from the door, would be brought face to face with actual want. Ogden Wells, the manager, is a square man, said Bob. He wouldn't discharge her without cause. I hope he wouldn't, replied Andy. But he isn't the whole thing. Yes, he is, so far as running the business is concerned. No one has any right to interfere with the details of his management, not even Mr. Pritchard. He's the boss of the mill. He takes his orders from the president, it is true, but they relate only to general conduct of the business. He is responsible for the economical production of the fruit of the loom. Fruit of the loom is good, grinned Annie. That's poetical, isn't it? Maybe it is. I heard our night school teacher use the expression the other evening, and I thought it fitted the case pretty well. Then you think the manager wouldn't be in no hurry to fire Ruby? said Andy with a look of relief. I am sure he wouldn't. Not even if Dexter Pritchard was to ask him? Certainly not. Or his father? Duncan Pritchard would hardly suggest such a thing to the manager unless he had some very strong reasons. Then Dexter will try to do her some other way. Not if I can help it, he won't, said Bob resolutely. And me too, chimed in Andy. He'll find his work cut out if he tries any games against Ruby, for she is the pet of the mill. There isn't a man here but would take her part, and the girls too, for that matter. Bet your life, said Andy, taking up his barrow again. You're going home now, ain't you, Bob? Yes. I'll see you tonight, then. So long. Andy wheeled away, and Bob cut across the yard and let himself out by the side gate. End of chapter 1